I have a really special guest to bring us into the new year today. Happy New Year. Dr. Bob Wright was my coach for years at the Wright Graduate University, where I did my master's in transformational leadership and coaching and at the Wright Foundation. He has so much to offer and share today. I am excited to bring him here. We get into it. I talk about my personal growth. He shares things he thought about me as I was doing my own work and leadership development and personal work. And I can't wait to bring him here. I think you'll get a lot out of his model, which is what we talk more about and the emotional landscape, which really can up level all of us when we are doing these micro pauses at work and in our lives. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy Dr. Bob Wright. I am here with Dr. Bob Wright, joining me live from the outskirts of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Hi, Dr. Bob, how are you doing today? Oh, great, Rachel, really excited to be with you. Bob was my coach, my coach, my executive coach, my emotional intelligence coach, my coach for years. So I'm just so thrilled and honored, Bob, that you are here with me. And so other people can get to know you a little bit. I wanna share a little bit about your background and then we'll get into the pause that you're gonna lead us through. Dr. Bob is the founder of the Wright Foundation for the Realization of Human Potential. This is where I studied for years and the graduate university, the Wright Graduate University for the Realization of Human Potential. How I've known, come to know you, you're also an international recognized visionary educator, program developer, author, speaker, and consultant. You've worked with the world's best leaders, as far as I'm concerned, to help them transform, to help them lead and help others rise to their next level of leadership. So I'm so excited to have you. I also know we're going to talk about your revolutionary integrative model of human growth and development, otherwise known as what I call it, the right, the right developmental model. And we're going to talk about how you started pausing yourself and, and how that and why that's so important. You're the author of several books and uh, also a master certified coach, one of the MCCs in the world. So welcome, Bob. I'm so, so thrilled that you're here today. Thank you, Rachel. I'm really so excited to be with you. Just eager to micro pauses. Yes, lead us through that. I would love to follow along with you here as you guide us through a micro pause. So, well, back in the late 60s, early 70s, I was really looking for a spiritual path. And I found um, um, Maharish, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and mantra meditation. And what I like about mantra meditation is that we don't try to still the mind. See, certain Buddhist meditations create, in my opinion, major tension in people trying to still the mind. Some, you get there sometimes, I, I, I know what, some of what that means. But we're what we call householders. We live in our everyday life. And, and so you are not necessarily gonna seek that blissful, you know, shut off of the mind in a cave. And that's why your work is so important because you've helped us consider that there's that moment, whether it's a week, a day, an hour, a moment or a month or three months, uh, I think that's how you got started, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, but, but there's a point at which we need to come to ourselves. 
And one of the ways that I love about meditation and coming to myself and mantra meditation is that I use it to interrupt my mind. I don't use it to quiet my mind. I repeat the mantra over and over again. And, and then when my mind takes over and I find some really great idea, even if it's a great idea, I interrupt it with the mantra because the mantra is a statement that there's something more important than that thought for me. It's, a, it's an interruption of the mind. It says, I want to catch my being. I want to be open beyond the mental gates that keep the world from really impacting me at the level that they could. And so we use the mantra to interrupt thoughts and repeat it over and over again. And I thought we would start out and just say a little bit more about the mantra. Mantra can be any kind of sound. Uh, some of the Jewish um, people I've worked with use Aleph. They use they they take a letter of from the alphabet. That's a fine way to to, to do it. Christians use Maranatha, which is uh, a Christian mantra. And so there there are Hindu mantras, Buddhist Buddhist mantras. Uh, Omani Padme Om is the uh, Buddhist one that most of us know about. But the point is. It's a sound, not about the meaning, but a sound that we use to interrupt our mind and to create a pause in the stream of thought that, that's going on with us. And so it's these micro pauses that I'm really excited about. But we want to understand the skill of interrupting our mind first. And so we'll do a little brief meditation. And so you can use LF. Um, um, there's there's a, a Hindu mantra I, I'm very partial to because I also just thought it was a man's name, Sat Chit Ananda. Sat means being. Chit means consciousness. And Ananda means bliss. Now, the first time somebody gave me that to meditate with, I came back and said, I hated it. And, and he said, what do you hate about it? I said, I don't have that much bliss going on. And all it is is an indictment to me. He says, no, bliss is life. It's not a production or a certain picture. It's not a certain velocity or amplitude. It is really just life. So what we're doing is inviting ourselves to celebrate our being. Chit, uh, sat, chit uh, is consciousness, being aware that I'm being and I'm having being going on right now. And Ananda, that bliss is my natural state. Nice. And so that's longer than I would normally say to people. But I think to bring a little bit of the spiritual into the pause isn't going to be all bad. And you don't have to think of it that way. Um, but uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to start repeating it together with our eyes open. So if you'll join me, Rachel... We'll start just repeating Sat Chit Ananda with each other. Okay. Let's Sat, do it. Sat Chit, chit Ananda. Sat, Sat Chit Ananda. Sat Chit Ananda. Sat Chit Ananda. Okay, so then what we're going to do is we're going to verbalize it. I'm going to have you just verbalize it to yourself. And you'll be with your viewers and your listeners um, saying it and you'll and you'll say it until we feel it in your body right and what we want to do is allow feel the vibration of the sat 
chit ananda in our body. Wow. So we're getting at our head. Do we're I keep my eyes open? Us. Yeah, we're at first we'll start out with the eyes open. Okay. And then you're gonna once you get yourself going, you're gonna close them. And then listen to me for a minute. You're gonna go sat chit ananda. Sat chit ananda. Sat chit ananda. And I love it because I can feel it in my chest and my belly. So you're gonna do that. Okay, you're cool. gonna you just start out saying it eyes open, then you're gonna close them. And you're going to do it. And um, I'll have you open them sooner than later just to see what it's like for you. Okay. okay. All right. Here we go. Sat Chit Ananda. Sat Chit Ananda. Sat Chit Ananda. Softer and softer. Sat Chit Ananda. Keep in feeling in your body. Close your eyes. Chit. Ananda. Yeah, that's it. Feel it. Sat-chit. Ananda. And then it gets softer and softer, but you keep feeling it in your body. Sat-chit. Ananda. Yeah, as you get quieter and quieter, you're going to notice your mind starting to come up Ananda. with this. And you're just going to keep repeating it, noticing when your mind goes, and go back to the mantra, easily and naturally. Sat-chit. Ananda. And it's very silently just feeling your body and using it to interrupt your thoughts. And let yourself come on back. What was that like? Okay, so lots going on, I'd say. When I when I was saying it out loud, and even when you and I were saying it, I felt it, I've I felt it primarily in my chest, like right in my center core, like heart space. And it just felt like um I don't know, it felt like a net, like a like a web or something, and and contained in there in my in my chest and then and then it, and then I just wanted to and then it felt like slowly myself I was relaxing into it I felt it was like the words were taking on a permission to not think and it was hard too because I was here recording with you and I'm like don't think about the recording <laughs> well so no, no you don't no, no you don't so that's no you say oh just interrupt it let me say it. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, there's no times. don't. There's no don't. The beauty of it, there's no don't. No, yeah. no, no. You think think all you want about the recording and interrupt <laughs> it as soon as you can. Yeah. And that's what I would do, I think. And and yeah. it felt very modular almost. It felt like those syllables were uh like like just transitions of I don't know. Yeah, it's so hard to explain it. I don't even know how to put words to it. So, but you were able to interrupt your thoughts. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the don't think. No, this is the, the whole point of this <laughs> totally. is, to, is actually to replace that thought with the mantra. Interrupt it. Okay. It's, yeah. Thought is interrupt us. Thought is interrupt us and it's all good. And I noticed yeah. myself relaxing as i said it which was i think what i liked about it yeah 
and when you start meditating, you said we set a timer for 15, 20 minutes. And um, so a lot of times people de-stress so much, they just fall asleep. But it's a wonderful thing to de-stress and engage creativity. The number of solutions that hit me out of God knows where from when I'm meditating are just marvelous. The other thing that comes up for me when I'm meditating is my unfinished business. There are certain things I keep trying to interrupt them. I go, no, shit, I'm going to do something about that one. And so, and so <laughs> I start taking better care of myself. Yeah. And can and you share all... what unfinished business is for those who may not know what that is in the podcast? So I have feelings going on all the time. My feelings get hurt. Right now, I'm kind of afraid because I want to do a good job for you. And, and, and so, and I'm also um, feeling very warm and excited uh, to be with you. And um, let's say that you say something that uh, embarrasses me or hurts my feelings. Um, but I ignore it while we just talk in our podcast. So I now have unfinished business because I have an emotion that I didn't allow to finish its natural function. So fear is to create safety right? And hurt. Let's say you say something that I'm embarrassed about. And so my, uh, I'm, my, my sense of myself is hurt. And so now I have two pieces of unfinished business. I have fear <laughs> I didn't tend to. I have hurt that I need to reconstruct or comfort myself with. Mm. And so we are designed to be completing our experience all the time. But in another conversation, we can talk about how we learn to avoid pain more than to achieve pleasure when you think about it fear is trying to move me towards greater pleasure towards safety so i can have pleasure hurt is actually an emotion to deal with that sense of hurt to heal and to complete myself so i can experience more pleasure then anger is a wonderful emotion it's to protect myself in, in fear it's to help me reaffirm myself you know when a, a two-year-old kid gets hit and hurt they hit yeah. back yeah, that's anger reconstructing themselves and communicating perfectly. I was hurt. And then anger, when we don't have too many rules against it, can help us harness and get things that are desirable. It, it's, it's, the, it's the fruit, uh, it's the fuel of what we call intention, which you and I may go into later on, that helps me get and acquire things. Sadness is actually the loss of a pleasure. And joy is just full pleasure. Ananda. Mm. Thank you for going through the primary five emotions, Dr. Bob, because th that I feel like that's one of my missions too, because I know there was unfinished business in my life that you and I know well that I wanted to complete. And I didn't know how to access some of those feelings, whether it was anger or hurt or just knowing even it was okay to feel those things. And I can't imagine the millions of people who probably have similar situations. What excited me most in your journey, which we have no contract for me to do, but I'm going to presumptuously okay. do it, I was, you. was you really wanted to, to bail from your day job and get to do this. But what you did was you did the inner work of completing lots of unfinished business. So when you went into the pause business, into your coaching business, you had resolved so much. You've earned the big time right <laughs> to help people. Oh, thank you. And I was ready. <laughs> that's the thing, I think, too. Yeah, thanks. No, so you, that's, that. you, you, you prepared yourself. 
the corporate situations, I feel like there's so much of what goes on and burnout or the things that I experienced too, which is really mostly that burnout, but all the things that we experience from feeling I'm not treated well or feeling like someone's out to get me or I can't get promoted. All the things I complained about are the, is really the unfinished business. Meeting their emotional needs in business meetings. I'll, I'll be repeating a mantra quite a, quite a bit. And instead of me trying to say, Oh, I'm potent. I can do this. I can do that. My timing gets way better at bringing what's right and fitting into the meeting. It starts with the personal internal pause, like you were saying, and, our mantra was such a good example of that. And talk to me a little bit about this, because I think this is your world that you're evolving into now, right? Your next level of leadership, being based leadership, and how do we be in the moment as leaders? I want to hear more about that. Well, for, for me, my higher agenda is that we grow in consciousness and responsibility, and we can make the greatest contribution we can make to a world that works for everyone. So that's kind of the big why of this game. But the, the little why is to complete myself, to bring myself to a greater sense of wholeness and presence with myself and with others. And as, I, as I'm noticing my thoughts in a meeting and I'm judging this one and this one's a jerk. So, but whatever's going on, what we, we start interrupting our thoughts. And now I can go, oh yeah, I'm afraid of that one. Oh yeah, I'm afraid of being like that one. Now, what's really going on in this meeting? <laughs> now that I find out what's going on with me, what's going on yeah. in the meeting so I can be more conscious and more present in the meeting? You're reminding me of something that I think you beat into my head a lot, which was we project out into the world everything that internal that we feel internally that is not okay with us. There are two kinds of projections. There's our positive projections. That's what I wish I were. Or our negative projections. You're my demon. And you're the terrible moment of my life when they're both aspects of me that I have not fully owned yet. And pause, right? So as I pause, if I understand that, then I'm going, oh, wow, you may be a jerk, but so am I. And I'm afraid to be as big a jerk as you. I wish I was courageous as you. <laughs> oh, you may be a wuss, but so am I. And I'm afraid that I'm going to get run over. And, and, and that, that I'm not going to stand up for myself enough. So now I'm being more me, owning my wusshood, <laughs> my jerkhood. And I'm prepared to be a little more me as I express myself in the meeting, a little more my wuss integrated, my jerk integrated. And I'm able to bring more humor. By the way, when I do this, I can be way more humorous. The more I pause, the more I take other people into account mm -hmm. and the more I realize they have feelings too. And the more I'm able to think strategically into the meeting and humor is almost always strategically helpful. Yes. Strategically. I like that key word. It's purposeful. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm in this meeting to fulfill a function, right? But I think what we want to fo focus on today is the me in this meeting. Who am I in this meeting? And, and we want to give ourselves some tools. So now we're learning to this concept. We're going to be able to interrupt some of our thoughts. We're going to interrupt some of our judgments. But then we got to go, okay, there's a me inside of me having those thoughts and those judgments. And what could be going on inside of me so that I can learn and grow in this meeting 
And even if it's the most boring meeting I've ever been in, I can still be with myself in a way that allows me to learn and grow. And there's one there's one condition. We can't go into this model without a sense of humor, Rachel. We have to know that we're all full of shit and we're the funniest things on the planet. Then we can know that we're never going to get it all right. And we can enjoy just noticing what we notice. Hmm. Because we're going to give people a tool to help them notice what's going on inside of them and maybe even start noticing what's going on inside of others. One of the biggest insights of my life was doing the EST training in 1976, whatever the heck. Which is now the what? Which is now? Now the forum. The Landmark Forum. The Landmark Forum. Wonderful training in existential becoming. Totally applying a lot of what we're going to be talking about in a slightly different ways. Mm-hmm. But so what I what I understood then is that everyone's afraid. One of the most marvelous moments I had in being with my own fear was being able to see that we're all afraid. And if I'm in a meeting and I realize we're all sitting here flapping our jaws saying, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm strong, <laughs> I'm good, I'm strong, I'm lovable, whatever that I want you to see me as, underneath that I'm afraid. And what I'm really saying is, love me, love me, love me. Please help it be safe enough so I can be a little more me. Dear God, let me help. Let me get through this meeting and, and survive. <laughs> yeah, please, please. Like I forget that I matter unless I'm working on, if I'm doing this work, I know I matter because it matters to me to do these things. But if I am just so busy with getting my to-dos done and rocking the meeting and looking good, chances are I forgot I matter. You know, the bummer in this is that as I'm driving my to-do list, there's a level where I'm taking care of myself. I'm actually diminishing my reason to be afraid because I'm more afraid of what's going to happen if I don't get it done. There's also a level where I'm saying, you matter, Bob, let's take care of this. Too often we think, oh, let me just eat some more food. Let me just watch some more TV. Let me play a few more games. And I'm saying, I don't matter when I do that. Now, I could consciously do it, but I'm just going to take a little break. I matter enough that I need to unhook for a minute. Yeah, a mantra is better, but do I always have the present of mind to do my mantra? No, I kind of like a TV show once in a while to just say, screw it all. So we want to understand that, that that drive is not bad. We're doing away with bad, but what we want to go is, what am I really afraid of right now? What could be different? Like what could be an alternative as I do these things and be more and feel like my senses and what I learned at, at your organization and in my studies with you is that it you can feel more satisfied, you can feel better and you don't feel that constant churning of whatever it is that's going on in my mind, whether it's the to-do list or feeling that fear and just filling my to-do list because I'm so afraid. So I really get no fulfillment out of doing my to-do list in under those conditions. But if I can say I'm afraid of this, this, and this, and what's the biggest fear I'd need to address now, then I'm more likely to do the to-dos I would have put off anyway. Because how often are we doing to-dos that are the easy to-dos rather than the scary all the time. To-dos? I know oh, I am. Yeah. <laughs> are we all? Are we human? Yeah. So more unfinished business, right? It keeps adding up and it keeps adding up, Dr. Bob, I know. And I think this is a good segue to your model. Let's talk about this incredible model, which is about how to navigate 
all of these feelings, how we're doing in the moment in this beingness that you're talking about and the pausing goes in there. So I'm going to share my screen as you can give us a little okay. introduction. And for those who aren't okay, visualizing this, if you're not, if you're listening to this on audio, we'll try our best to keep you walking yeah. through. Well, imagine uh, for those of you who are listening, a set of stairs that go from low left to upright. And we're going to start at the lowest step, which is the, the existence of a human being. It's our aliveness. It's where our fear lives. Fear is its function is to keep us alive. And, and some of us live in survival, afraid we're going to die each moment. But once we start learning to trust life, we can embrace our fear and be excited by fear. It's like being on the roller coaster. I, I used to, oh, I would wipe. Roller coasters were torture to me. I just did them to save face. Who and likes a roller coaster anyway? I don't know anybody. I love it now. Do you know why? <laughs> Because I get to scream my guts out with terror. And, and I, I allow terror a full voice. And then it feels so good afterwards because I didn't die. But it's only by allowing myself to feel that fear of dying that I can let the full scream. And, oh, but I got to tell you, I hate those little kids that hold their hands up and they laugh. And they, they do all this stuff to shame us old folks. So, you know, mm. because, because they are more comfortable than we are. Their fear has been so much better integrated for them. They know the boundaries. I'm still, I'm not white knuckling it. I may put my hands up, but I'm not as outrageous as they are. So, so they, in that situation, are able to embrace and transform their fear into full aliveness better than we can. And mm -hmm. that's trust. They trust it more than I do. But the question is, can we trust being more alive in a meeting? Can we trust and recognize our fear? And can we do a, a, a fear analysis in a meeting? Oh, now, I'm, what, what would I like to say? If I weren't afraid right now, what would I say? Boom. Then I can do a cost-benefit analysis to what I'm saying. Our minds can really calculate really fast these things. So we want to we allow the aliveness to happen. We want to allow the fear because then it allows the thoughts to bubble up. Right? And then the next thing that comes is hurt. I'm imagining that people will shame me in the meeting. I want everybody to say, oh, Bob, that was so wonderful. You are the gift to our meeting. But they don't usually say that to me. They disagree. They say this. They say that. And I'm wanting the whole time to be affirmed. So I'm getting better and better at it. Now I'm, I we pause, right? My feelings are hurt. They're disagreeing with me. Pause. Okay. I'm afraid. Pause. My feelings are hurt. They're not affirming the competent me I want them to see. Oh, and now while I'm pausing, I can listen to them better. Oh, I'm no longer just stuck in my hurt. I, I, I affirm myself by listening to myself. And now, oh, good point, John. I can give them the affirmation I want to get. Well, guess what? I'm affirming myself as I'm affirming them. Bam, level two, my hunger to be affirmed is there as I affirm myself and others. I'm engaging more in the meeting in more nourishing ways. Thanks to my pause. So that's the second level of the stairs we're on right now is hurt. Yes, thank you. So, so, so we have fear at the lowest level. This one is hurt. Those emotions we went into at the beginning. This is my hurt and I'm gonna go into my hurt now. And, I'll, and when I get really good at it, I can affirm myself. People may not agree with me. They may dislike me 
but I'm on my own side. I'm getting stronger and stronger inside. Ah, but once I get stronger and stronger inside, I start not liking things. And I'm likely going to want to say, that's horse manure. But that gets me fired. So what I do is I pause when I want to say that's horse manure. So, okay, that was suicidal, Bob. Thank you for not doing that. You know, given the purpose of this project that we're on and the overall purpose of the business, I think that that may derail us. So I come up with new ways to assert myself and my anger, my anger, that my, I was angry because they, they weren't operating according to the purpose of the meeting or what I thought should happen, or blah, 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 whatever that is. But I pause, do a little inventory, pull myself back to myself. And now I can look around my fear of them as a jerk. And I can actually agree with them where they're right. I can do level two, affirm them. I can assert myself. I say, now I can say, you're right. And let's think about this. And I can get to where I wanted to go without having to put them down or break their jaw. And that's the third level. This is the third level after the hurt level. So we've got fear, level one, hurt, level two. Level three is the anger, which I think, by the way, uh, many of us, including my historical self, didn't want to know that existed or I was just passive or something like that. So instead of reacting, that 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 stare that's the vertical I can choose to assert, and that's the power of yeah, a, but, and I- let, Let's go back to where you that. started. Yeah, you, you lived in a world of jerks. And you were kind of missing, as you were pointing your finger at the jerks, you were kind of missing that the other fingers were back at you. And you started looking. There was, oh, so we're a gathering of jerks here, so let's get together. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That was it. <laughs> yeah. But, but the beauty of it is, is we can use the anger to kind of affirm ourselves and at the same time to, to reach towards a better outcome in a meeting. So we become more assertive. That is a critical element of anger. Anger isn't about blowing up at people. It's about being able to stay present to myself. This is where lots of pauses. You understand by now you and I have talked about a million pauses. Yeah. We're talking about years of pauses. <laughs> Millennia of pauses, yes. And the other part too in the model here on the third level is intention. You mentioned this earlier today because I think this is a key part of anger. Yeah, so at the first level, my sister, I'm, I'm five and my sister's three. And she hits me, bam, and I hit her back. And then I get in trouble. <laughs> I say, but mom, she hit me. You're, my mom says, you're bigger. Well, that was reactivity, right? I, I hit her right back. Now, over time, I'm going to learn, way that doesn't work. And then I may think about what she's doing. And then I may, then, then the big, the big salvation for me is the older brother in the back seat. This is the middle of the line. You go mm -hmm. over that and you're dead meat. Anything you want on that side is yours. And so she's going to test me. She's going to go over. I can say you're over the line. And I now have a way to affirm myself without having to get into the overt conflict. And if, I, if I'm if i just saying you're over the line, guess what? Mom up in the front, and dad in the front seat, they start saying, Jude, keep to your side. And I now have so, I'm now asserting myself towards something, but the same thing goes on in business meetings. When we see a way to do things, can we do a win-lose, win-win, win-win instead of a win-lose with people? Mm. Can I want to have them be affirmed. See, too often it's easy to embarrass them too, right? 
Oh God, the number of yeah. times I've embarrassed people. So we are now just doing my inventory. Okay. So, but but the, what Rachel's underlining is intentionality requires that I be in touch with my anger. And and what Rachel did also was be in labs where she could express her anger with other people who had agreements. So then she was able to harness it better and better as she was advocating for clients, as she was still saying, get me out of here, get me to pause. And you have to practice. I think that was the greatest gift of the labs, the transformation labs that I was a part of for years, I think about six or seven, where that was my biggest, biggest challenges every day. How am I going to how am I going to harness this anger? Because I hate it. And then I had to learn to be okay with my anger. And by the it way, was part of me. By the way, we're going to be creating new kinds of labs that aren't intended to be as intensive as the ones you were in. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have graduates like you are going to invite back to lead for like three months. Oh, all and, right. And, 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 and so, yeah, it, it, yeah it, it, we're going to find all kinds of new ways to serve more people better, faster. Awesome. I can't wait to hear more about that. And then, and uh, that's important because I don't think there is enough things like that practice practicality things in the world to help with this emotional base that we all need to be more aware of. And I know. think pause might be a really good start for that. Maybe you and I should talk mm. another time about you starting a lab and maybe working with you on it. What, what the brilliance of what you've done is you've taken that existential moment that you were so so Rachel studied the existential philosophy in depth, but the here and now is critical to Hinduism. It's Hindu. It's critical to Buddhism. It, it, it's critical to existential philosophy. The more that we can live, life happens in the now, right? Yeah, all the time. That's what I say all the time, moment by moment. So the more I can be fully present in the now, the more life I get to live. And that makes that just resonates deeply at least with me. Yeah. And I think most of us listening to this resonate with that at some point in some level as well. Do you want to cover the upper levels real quick? The truth of the matter is when I get to the next level, which is conformity and ex expression of my truth to my highest vision, mm -hmm. I'm afraid of being rejected. I have to deal with that. And I, I look like I belong, but I don't. I feel hurt by the things people say, and I'm afraid of being hurt more. And I'm angry. And what, what do adolescents do to harness their anger? They complain about their parents. They, they complain about other things. Rather than being fully present and honest with each other. And so fear, hurt, and anger cause me to conform. And I must embrace them in order to tell the truth of my experience to my highest vision with a group I want to belong to. And say, I love you guys. I, I want to be part of the group, but I don't agree with you. And I think you're really wrong. And I'm angry that you're doing that. Yeah, I'm afraid you'll reject me, but it's a price I'm going to have to pay to be me. And then that next level is I can actually say I'm going to strive. I want to be better than you. Do you know how scary that is to compete openly with people? Who's going to get the highest A? Who's going to be the most this, the most that? Boom, boom, boom. And then what's happening is I'm really learning to commit. And so all the emotions come back in again. A lot of people strive to get more money because they're afraid they're going to die. So it's level one. There's survival going on, right? They go from, they go from this, this, this five down to one. Or some of them are actually thinking they'll be loved. Level two, if they make more money, look better, becomes a social status. And others of them are going, wow, I'm going to be able to thumb my nose at the world. 
because I've made money and I've done it all. But it's all driven by the lower levels because we never stop being afraid and needing to monitor and harness our fear. We never stop being hurt. Whether we know it or not, we may just be people. You know, I, I had a boss who said, you know, there are two kinds of people in the world. Those that get ulcers and those that give ulcers. And I decided to be one of the ones that gives ulcers. <laughs> so this was a this was a striving purpose who never transitioned to a, a striver with commitment would never got to a higher purpose. Hmm. How do we contribute to the world? How do I not matter so much? And how can I really contribute to the world with a higher purpose, a bigger why? And then some people live with a bigger why, and then they are still are afraid. Jim Jones, do people know still know about Jonestown? He was a minister who uh, named Jim Jones, who had everybody so hypnotized. He was afraid of them being attacked when they were in the in in the jungles, and he had everybody drink Kool Aid, poisoned, and they all but one of them died. Wow. So he couldn't say, "Hey, folks, I'm afraid. I need you." I need you to say I'm okay because I'm your leader and I'm a, I still need your affirmation. And, and, and I need to know that I'm going to be okay with you. And so then we get to the highest level when I can be responsible for my fear, hurt, anger, joy, uh, and sadness without needing to lay it on you and blame you. There's no longer any excuse. I am now at our level six responsible. So I've moved to responsibility and I have authority. I am the author of my existence. And if I slip and lose it, I don't get to blame you. Clearly your model has a lot of complexity and layers and it's the here and now and the feelings and the principles that are there. I think it's important to say too that I think a lot of people see this and they say, well, I'm at this level. But the reality is you're up and down that that staircase like millions of times a day, right? That's kind of what and, and, and the real game is love, acceptance, compassion, forgiveness. And, and we think we should love, but we don't know how, because how can we love if we don't know ourselves? Think about it. If I don't know who, who's in my skin, can I really love who's in your skin? No, I may act loving. You know? and, <laughs> and, and, and if I'm not affirming who's in my skin, will I really be nourishing to you or will I be acting? The real game is to be the most conscious, loving human beings we can be. And one pause at a time. Mm. And the pausing is integral, as you've been saying. So clearly our work melds together in that way. And I, I also think your model is such a great example of that roadmap through the wilderness that I know you say that personally, like that's your verbatim expression. And I do think that's helpful because all of a sudden, you know, what, depending on how you feel, like what's going on. And that is so eye-opening and so well heart opening too because you get to understand oh i'm just hurt <laughs> i'm just i just want to affirm myself so i'm going after this guy to try to get him to see me and it's just that's what it is so we're talking about a, a level of pause a discipline to pause myself in the middle of things it doesn't yeah. i don't have to close my eyes i i don't have to uh, go and do something different but i'm now really learning to pause, to collect myself, be with myself, check in with myself so I can be more present in the world around me. And then we could always meditate. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can meditate after that. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for going through your model. I know I reference it 
a lot with my clients and just think it has helped shed so much light on really what's going on within me and within others when I'm with myself too. So thank you. Thank you for bringing this into the world for all of us. Thank you. Where can people find out about you? What are you up to next? What's going on? I'd love to leave everyone with just a little more information about how they can learn more about you. So Judith and I are launching a new business that um, is called Live Right, W-R-I-G-H-T, Inc., with Judith and Bob. But the, it's Live Right, Inc. LiveRight.com will be our URL in uh, the beginning of January. Right now, DrBob.com uh, or BobWright.com will get you to my site. But you can also email, email me at DrBob, D-R-B-O-B, at L-I-V-E-W-R-I-G-H-T dot com. Love to hear from you. Great, great. So Dr. Bob at LiveRight.com. We'll put those in the notes. And any last words, Dr. Bob, anything you'd like to leave us? Anything, like one thing you want to leave us with as we sign off from our time today? It's a delight to see you teaching like this. I love it. Could you ever have thought, would you ever have imagined this would be a day? <laughs> now, you notice me crossing my arms and getting serious on you. I've always known that. And I've always known you could do it wherever you were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I feel very seen and heard myself right now. So thank you <laughs> for, 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 for noticing that and, and recognizing it in me. I feel very affirmed. Thanks. <laughs> All right, Dr. Bob. Well, thank you for joining us today. And thank you. I look forward to our, our ongoing discussions. Thanks for listening today to the podcast. You rock. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate us, leave your review. I'd love to hear from you and help us get the word out to all of those who are in search of wanting to get out of overwhelm and rise to their next level of leadership. If you think this that you might benefit from these tools or know anyone else who would, just invite them to join us, share this episode with them, give them, give them the go-ahead, the green light, something that you found interesting, and I'm sure they will also. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, sharing is caring, and I'll see you next time right here on the podcast. Mm -hmm.